Hello, welcome to my podcast. I don't listen to podcasts, so I have no idea what kind of outline I'm really supposed to do other than the provided podcast for this class. So as I am not a technologically savvy person, we're going to do three segments of five minute runs about the suggested, the middle, the beginning, and the end because I think that's going to be the best outline for a chronological summary of what I brought going into this class and what I'm coming away with it. So let's go ahead and jump into the beginning. Um, it's really where I was when we first started this class. What did I know about juvenile delinquency before the course? And really reflect on who I was as a person and what kind of attitudes and biases I had going in. So I guess I should really start with the fact that I was a military brat. Um, what they don't tell you is that a lot of enlisted are living below the poverty line. And I lived in some very interesting circumstances. I was well acquainted with juvenile delinquency, not from a first person, though I was surrounded by it, and so I really feel like that gave me a more open-minded approach to this class. Um, when I first started this class, I had had so many years of seeing friends in and out of juvenile detention centers and gang violence and a very heavy and oppressive law enforcement presence in the communities I grew up in. Um, so I think that gave me a really good access to what juvenile delinquency really is, and it is not, nor has it ever been, about bad kids. You know, every person I knew who would end up in the juvenile delinquency system were just people who were looking for somewhere to belong, you know? They never wanted anything bad. I had one friend who actually got in a lot of trouble for selling very hard drugs on the street, and he was in seventh grade. Um, his mom and dad were divorced. His dad was never around. You know, his mom was working all the time. Uh, the only thing that really gave him a sense of purpose was the group he was in, um, selling drugs to make money to pay for food for him and his little sister. And that's really what I think of when I think of juvenile delinquency. I do not see bad kids. I see people looking for a place to belong. So when I think about my personal history and my personal values and attitudes and biases, towards juvenile justice, I would like to say that I don't have any, but that's not the reality. If I were to think of an implicit bias I have, it's that I came from that background and I did not end up in the juvenile delinquent system. And I think for the most part, I just understand that, one, I would not have survived in a gang, but also 
though we were in lower socioeconomic and had a rough household, I still wanted to make my mom proud. And my mom was always there for me when she could be, when she wasn't working. And that was just thousands of times more than a lot of my friends had. Um, so I think if I were going to have an internal bias, I would think that, you know, you're, we're not... We're not exempt from our choices, but I understand that these choices that juveniles are having to make at 12, 13, 14 years old are choices no adult should have to make. And I believe that wraps up the summary. I really just, there are no bad kids. I've said that four times, but there just are no bad kids. No kid is inherently bad, and I think that's the biggest value I came into this class with. They're just children who want somewhere to belong, and I care about the children more than anything, honestly. All right, let's move into part two. Okay, part two, the middle. What have I learned during this course? What theories, what what parts of juvenile delinquency have I learned? And I feel like this section is going to heavily echo a lot of the answers from my last exam, but only because I feel like they are so important, especially the one theory that will probably stay with me for the rest of my life into adulthood. And that is the life course theory. I consider this my gold standard as far as developmental theory. However, I personally would also extend this outside of the juvenile realm. It is a developmental theory, and as juveniles are going through most of their developmental, developmental stage, it's definitely applicable there, but I think we continue to develop. I think there's a lot of development that happens um, especially in the later 20s, and I think that this is applicable. Life course theory really is just stating that people have many interconnected traits, personality, intelligence, socioeconomic status that can change over time. And these behaviors and choices of the individuals can be influenced by external factors like family, career, and peers. I think the reason why this theory resonates so deeply with me is that I am a bit of a hippie, but I believe that every person deserves to be viewed in a holistic sense. We are not black, white, abled, disabled. We are not just one inherent trait that defines us. We are organic human beings who continually change. We are influenced every day by thousands, and if how small you want to go, millions of influences every day. There is no one defining characteristic for a person, and I think that this theory does an excellent job letting children and young adults, and even adults, regardless of what developmental stage you're actually at, let them know that they are not defined by anything, that they are in control of their future, that there are positive views and positive influences that are really going to come in and change their future, that they will not be defined by what they are born into. 
I think the best concrete example I can give is in The Life of a King, where Eugene Brown took the youths into the after-school detention. You know, those youths, they all came with very, very different traits and characteristics. Um, Clifton, Dehem, and Peanut were just very different people. They came from a commonality of a hard background, but their lives were completely changed from their individual paths into a positive law-abiding path. And, you know, that's just saying that there is no one defining factor that is permanently determinant of your future. You can change it, and it doesn't matter where you come from. It does not matter how hard your life is. There is a possibility of things getting better. And I think that this theory, maybe I'm too emotional about it, but it really just shows that everything can change. And I think in the last minute or so of this section, I would really like to draw attention to what I personally learned outside of the uh, terminology of criminal justice, and that is how black girls in the school system are specifically targeted. I knew that to some blackness was a symbol of aggression. And I know personally as a woman, you're expected to be quiet and meager and that if you act out or are too emotional or um, too empowering, you can be viewed as aggressive or a threat. Um, and I think I really just never put together that when you are a black woman who is strong, you're viewed as aggressive and the rates were horrifying to see. I mean, I laughed because the only other response is to cry. I had no, no idea that black girls were six times more likely to be targeted, expelled, and arrested than white girls, whereas black boys were only three times more likely than white boys. It is literally a compound threat, and black women are so powerful, and they have a very powerful voice, and the fact that it is so systematic that we take away their education, we take away their security, we put them in prisons for just missing school a few times too many. We are taking generations of women and just demoting them to criminals that will never be able to have jobs because of a criminal record for something so small as truancy. I had no idea how significant this was, and I think that this is the perfect point to lead into the third section of what we do from here to eliminate juvenile delinquency. So part three, the end. How do we solve the problem of juvenile delinquency and where do we go from here? Um, I think in the first two sections, I addressed that kids need a place to belong and that kids need to know that regardless of their backgrounds, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that the least 
helpful thing we could do is enforce more jurisdiction over their lives. We do not need more policing. We do not need more rules, tighter curfews. That just leads to more breaking of rules, silly rules that don't actually do anything to keep them safe. And they know that. Kids aren't dumb. What we need to do from here is create a community again. We are so so separated from one another. It takes a village to raise a kid, and we have been doing it in single-parent households. And single parents, coming from one myself, are strong and amazing, but there is only so much one person can do. We need to build a community, grassroots efforts for after-school programming that are free of cost to low-income students who are needing that sense of belonging, that place to go, that attention, and even adult attention with counselors. We need to have community centers again. We need to introduce education, make it fun again, make it well-funded again. We need to provide an environment where kids feel like they can thrive, an environment where their choice isn't sitting alone at home, possibly eating uncooked Kraft mac and cheese. Not that I ever did that except every weekend. We need to let them know that there are more options that are affordable and available to communities. We need to focus on the communities most affected by systemic racism and systemic classism. We need to build up these impoverished communities that have been systematically kept in poverty and bring them into modern day. This is not their fault. This is the fault of hundreds of years of racism and capitalism. And it is time to treat everyone as equals. We need to improve education. We need to improve society we need to improve how we treat one another there is no reason none that we can't reach out a helping hand to a mother in need as it is statistically proven that single parent households are more likely to have juveniles in gang related activity because they need somewhere to go and will this solve juvenile delinquency no it will not. There will always be kids who feel they need to act out in these delinquent ways to get attention, to get credit, to get recognition. But reducing the probability of these children falling into these delinquent ways is what's really going to benefit as a community. Now, I feel like in this section, as a final summary, it may seem that I am pointing the blame, you know, who whose fault is juvenile delinquency? And I think I have created a dialogue that puts blame on racists, and I would like to anecdote that everyone has implicit biases that we need to actively work against to ensure that we treat everyone as equally and as kindly as possible. That being said, I feel like I've created a dialogue that is blaming a system built on racism. And that is exactly what I mean. I wholeheartedly believe that most juvenile delinquency is the result of socioeconomic distress, racial distress, 
because of racist ideology that is built into the American government and the American education education system. No one, no one should be denied the American dream if it still exists based on the color of their skin and how much money they were born with. Um, so yeah, where do we go from here? We need to build a community again. And I think that wraps up this class. I would personally like to thank Professor Reed for teaching a course that was filled with mutual respect and honesty and patience and really taught a topic that is very difficult to teach with such compassion and composure um, because I definitely know I couldn't have done it. Um, and I'm very grateful that I got a chance to take this course because even though I came in with a lot of personal experience, there was so much terminology and theology behind it that I was so unaware of, and it really just ties in everything I have experienced to everything I've read, and it created, as I've said, I think a holistic approach is the best way you can view anything, and I think that this class has given me a more holistic approach on to what juvenile delinquency is and how we can eliminate it in the future. Thank you so much.